gives me great pleasure to introduce this next person. I'm not sure how long we've known each other. It's been a long time. We've worked together before. There was a stint at Notre Dame. How long did that last, Mick? <laughs> the right amount of time. So, so he was there for a bit. So and that's probably where I really got to know you a little bit more. So, but look, I know that you are about to be blessed by Pastor Mick Ealing, who's here with his family, his lovely wife, Kirsten. Like, we've just known these people and journeyed with them at a distance with Donga Shepherd and kind of thing for quite a period of time. But um, I said I'd get you to sit because I was going to get you to stand again. Can you please stand and welcome Pastor Mick as he comes forward to bring the word? Thank you. Hey, folks, you can stay standing or you can sit for a bit. I just want to pray for you before I start. <laughs> Father, we just thank you for your, your presence here today. We thank you for the, the opportunity to worship you, to recalibrate our week by stepping into your presence with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We thank you for the ministry of your, of your presence and your spirit that's already been adjusting our perspective and building our faith and changing our expectations and filling our hearts with hope and confidence in you, in who you are and what you're capable of doing. So we just thank you that you love us. You're so glad to be with us and you have something fresh, a rhema word for us today. We pray that our hearts would be open, our minds would be attentive and our spirits would be receptive to all that you have to do. And all God's people said, Amen, amen. Why don't you smile at a couple of people around you? Tell them you're pretty happy to be sitting with them today. <clears throat> if you can't say it honestly, choose another seat maybe, I don't know. Uh, so good. So good. Uh, who's got their Bible with them this morning? Anyone got a Bible with them this morning? If you got it on your phone, that's fine. You're still uh, equal in the kingdom, that's fine. <clears throat> I've got my old school analog Bible, and I use the digital one a bit these days as well. We can open to Matthew chapter 22, then we're going to go to Luke chapter 4, and probably Psalms 126. It's hard to have all three of them open in a digital Bible. You might be able to do it. If you can, show me how to do that. But I know you can do it with a, bit, a few bits of paper and a couple of folds. You've got it covered in an old school Bible. But it's a real honor to be here with you today. Uh, I see many faces that uh, I've known. Um, a lot of history here in Marutna in the Golden Valley. Um, a lot of history with Ryan and Michelle. And uh, a lot of history here in this town. I went to high school at Marutna High School before the office was burnt down. And... Uh, some of you might remember that story. Some of you are students there, I, I believe. Uh, I was even school captain in my year 12 year, which was really interesting. And I was probably the only school captain that got suspended. So <clears throat> and that's a whole other story. Anyway, I was asked to stay home because of what I said about the principal at the school assembly. And um, <laughs> I confronted him on an issue. Anyway... Probably wasn't the wisest way to handle the situation, but there's history. And uh, this church is a great church. This great church has a great history. It's got a great present and an incredible future. 
And I'm really grateful for Pastor Matt and Melissa and all that they've sown into my life. They were my youth pastors when I was uh, an older teenager. And uh, they invested into my life and Kirsten's life and shaped my faith significantly. And I'm very grateful for that. And I'm really grateful for your pastors today, Ryan and Michelle. They are great leaders and you are incredibly blessed. And um, the journey to your role, Ryan and Michelle, has been a, a really unique and interesting one. Like everyone's journey to the senior leadership role. And it's, it's a significant role that um, unless you've done it, you have no idea. And um, you guys are on the start of that journey. And I believe God's got the most fruitful season yet of your life is about to happen. Um, there's so much more. God never, God's never finished with us in any stage. Uh, the roles and the assignments that we have change over time because that's just how God set things in motion. There's seasons and assignments for everything. And uh, sometimes we miss the opportunity we have because we're trying to be in a different assignment or a different season than what we actually are in. So God's not finished with anyone in this room. He's got so much for you. He's got the most fruitful time of your life is the one that you're living in. We've just got to tune in with what he has for us in this season and the role we can play in the moment that we have. We may not be able to do what we used to. We can't do what we want to do in the future. We can't change our position, but we can be fruitful in the moment that we're in right now. And I just want to prophesy that over you as a couple that the most fruitful season of your walk with Jesus, the most fruitful season of your marriage and your family lies right before you and you're stepping into it. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So today, um, it's not so much a preach. Uh, it's probably going to be more of a story mixed with a seminar, maybe a seminar. I don't know how to do it. Um, but it's about the realities of the journey of walking with God through probably a bit of Kirsten and my story um, about the process, the journey, the pain that you encounter along the journey, about the promise and fulfilling the potential that God has for each and every one of us. And um, today, I believe, and every Sunday is an invitation when we gather around God's word as God's people in a, in a location, in relationship with each other, is an invitation to a deeper walk with him into a deeper way of living out the kingdom. Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's not far off and out there and disconnected from us. It's right here with us. And so every time we gather around his word as his people, there's an invitation for us. And so I want to go to Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. I think the guys have got some uh, slides there. There we go. We've got it on the screen for you. Let's just dive into what God has for us. Are you ready to go this morning? Why don't you nudge someone next to you and say, get ready. Get ready, get ready. If they weren't responsive, you can hit them a little bit harder. So we're diving into, we're going to pick up the, um, the gospel of Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. And it's, it's a moment where Jesus is being set up at a press conference. The journalists are there, they're called Pharisees, they're actually a religious group, and they're trying to catch him on a gotcha moment. You know, when they, they set up the questions and they set up the interview and then they just want to capture Jesus on a gotcha moment so that they can discredit and reject everything that he's doing, everything that he presents. And therefore, and we see that happening right now. The same thing happens right now in our media, in the, the lives of our social, even in our workplaces, people can do that in relationships. And so the Pharisees ask a set up question to try and catch him out. In, with Jewish law. And they say to Jesus, what is the greatest commandment of the law? And they, let's listen to the words of Jesus. Verse 37, Jesus replied, the love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Is this passage familiar to anyone here today? If you've been around um, the things of God and around local church and Christian life, you would have probably heard this passage before. And I think it's incredibly powerful how precisely the words of Jesus captures all of theology, all of Christian philosophy and Christian lifestyle that enables us and can guide us through our personal life, whether it was 2,000 years ago or 2022 here in the Goulburn Valley. It can guide individuals through their whole life. It can guide a church. This concise, precise and powerful statement can guide us as a local church to fulfill God's promises and success for us. And it can define nations and civilizations in two very powerful sentences. And that is just part of the wisdom of God demonstrated and spoken through his son, Jesus. And so it's a commandment that Jesus highlights and says all of the law and prophets hangs on this. And the greatest thing that you can do with your life is to follow through on these two things. And, and there's a commandment there. And, and if anyone knows what a commandment is, it's an instruction that you must follow. Does anyone ever feel like they've received a commandment from someone? My mum and dad are here in the second row. Great to have you here. We had a great party last night at mum and dad's house celebrating my great aunt's 95th birthday last night. It was raging. (laughs) We had a great time. But in my childhood and even in my adult life, I've received commandments from my parents. And I knew there was very little wiggle room. You You just did it. You did it. And if you didn't do it, any parents here like giving commandments to their children? Any parents here love when their children actually listen to them and do it? Is there anyone here who has in their spirit when someone commands them to do something, just that something, that little niggle in their heart that's like, tell me that again. Anyone got a spouse when their spouse says something, they should do something, you're like. (laughs) Commandments are commandments. They're instructions for us to follow. And Jesus actually highlights and underlines the greatest commandment for us to follow and often we can only see this as a right or wrong good or bad or even as a threat you will love the lord your god or else if you don't does anyone feel that's easy to see that in there and it is right to obey a commandment but often if we only see it like that as law which is what the pharisees only saw these things as law Religious people see rules to control and guide and direct and manipulate people because they see everything as transactional, not relational. But if we see it in the the eyes of the Father's heart, it becomes an invitation into what he has for us. It's right, but it's also good. It's right, but it's also good for our lives. The reason we're given 10 commandments in the Old Testament is because they're right, but more than that, it's because they're good for us. They're actually incredibly life-giving for us. If you want to have bad emotional and mental health, then deny the 10 commandments and just see what happens in your life. You know, just try the lying one. Anyone know that commandment that says, do not lie? 
when we speak and live truth in our lives, not relative truth, your truth can be your truth and your truth. No, no, when we speak absolute truth, the truth of God's word and the truth of what happens and the truth of what, how God's designed things, it's incredibly freeing to live our lives. When you have multiple untruths operating in your life and they all come together, that becomes very problematic for your life. So the, the things that God's put in place are for the good of us. And our society is suffering the greatest onslaught of mental and emotional health issues I think it's ever been recorded. The last two or three years has seen a 90% increase in people's emotional and mental health instability and uh, lack of well-being. In that. Australia has never experienced what we're experiencing right now. The, the Western world has never experienced what we're experiencing right now. And so one of the core reasons that we have is that the devil wants to destroy our lives. He want, His assignment, John 10 says, to steal, kill and destroy. And so our society is partnered with that and started to discard and reject the key structures that organize our minds, our relationships and our communities that then they bring health and well-being. And those come from having healthy, clear boundaries that God has instructed that are good for us. So I want you to hear today the Father's heart that we are commanded but invited to love God with all of our heart. And God has so much good for us when we step into that place. So God has got an invitation for each one of us today to have a whole heart. Not parts, not pieces, but he invites and commands us to love him with all of our heart, with a whole heart. It's hard to love God with a broken heart. And it's hard to fulfill the second commandment, which is to love others, if you've got a broken heart, if you've got a cold heart, if you've got just part of your heart that's left. And our walk with Jesus should do a number of things as we go along the journey. It should bring us to a place of a whole heart. Can someone say amen to that? So let me just tell you a couple of little stories and I want to dive into some of the things that God has for us. Let's go back to 1989. Does anyone remember 1989? Yeah. 1989 was when I was 13 and my older brother Paul finished year 12 and was accepted into Bible college in Adelaide and moved away. I can remember when he left, I was brokenhearted. It was very sad when my older brother left home. And uh, recently, um, my eldest daughter has left home and moved to Newcastle and that was really really sad I was a little bit brokenhearted then too um, you know and and all of us experience that sadness in our hearts when something like that someone we love dearly moves away or leaves out of our life yeah, jump forward to the 90s anyone remember the 90s 1992 I was year 11 at Marupna High School and there was this girl that I'd met in my life and she was six, I was 16 and I was so nervous and interested in her, I think I was in love, and I asked this lovely girl at church to hang out with me and she said no. And I was broken hearted. But now she's my wife of 24 years so I won in the end. But I was broken hearted. These schoolyard examples, they're simple things and we've all had our heart broken in some way. Some of us have had it deeply broken and, and, and many of us have just learned to live with that. We've figured things out on our own or we've figured it out with God and people. And um, Quickly life can happen to us and if we do not live wholeheartedly, we cannot love wholeheartedly. 
Because the Father has designed us to live our lives in a wholehearted manner. He understands the pain of a broken heart. He understands the limitations it brings into our life. But Jesus came and one of his main assignments was to heal the broken hearted. Luke chapter 4, you might know this. Jesus announces his own job description. He says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Why don't you say that with me? He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. His intention for us is to live with whole hearts. Come on, someone say wholehearted. And he's designed you to live that way. And so our walk with Jesus as we go along with him should increase the strength and well-being of our spirit, soul and body. And we live with a whole heart. You know, his kingdom is a wholehearted place. And his people are designed to be wholehearted people. The Father has not designed you to live long-term in a place of brokenness in your heart. And Jesus' role is to heal that. And so the Father knows the unhealthy things that we start to do in our lives when we're not wholehearted. We seek comfort and healing from the wrong sources. Um, we, we create habits and patterns in our life that often exacerbate the negative things that are happening in our life because we just don't want to face the pain or deal with the pain. And it's challenging. And there's many things in our life that can break our heart. And I want to prophesy over you as a church today, you as a person today, that you will be, and God's designed you to be, a wholehearted people. And more than that, he's designed you to be more than a conqueror. So once you've overcome something in your life, he wants you to be more than that by helping other people become that. He wants you to be able to help other people become wholehearted because you became wholehearted. Now, if you're in the room today and you haven't experienced sort of a breaking of your heart, you can't relate to this, well, I'm so happy for you that your life has been filled with unicorns and rainbows and butterflies to this point. But real life happens to people. Things come into our life and just stick around long enough and something will break your heart. I'm not prophesying over that. It's just the, the brokenness of the world that we live in. But I am prophesying God's wholeness and God's healing over your life. And what our society needs right now is mature, strong Christians who carry the fruit of the Spirit and the wisdom of God. And if we can go on the journey of growth, face the realities of our past and present, then we will possess the potential of our future and fulfill God's kingdom on earth in this place. If I can share a little, just a little bit of my journey, the most powerful illustration is some of the healing that God's done in my life. Is this all right if I just tell you a little bit of my story? I've got my wife here on the front row and my favourite daughter on the second row and my son, my favourite son, is my only son on, on the second row, who's now nearly as tall as me and 14. And, uh, and they know a lot of the journey that's happened and... Um, you know, every one of us grows up uh, through our childhood and experiences shortcomings and different things that happen in our life. And I, had, I was very blessed in my childhood to grow up with parents who deeply loved me. But there was things that happened in my childhood, including sexual abuse, 
lots of difficult moments as a teenager and a young, a young adult, betrayal, injury, and even as a young Christian pastor experiencing the letdown of Christian leaders who failed and betrayed me and did very specific things to impact me in my life. But by the time I was sort of in my mid-20s, God had done so much healing in my life and I was so grateful for it. So I've got a picture I want to show you of about six years ago. I was on my 40th birthday. This one here, look how small our kids are, Kirsten. They're so young. Yana's like, oh, rolling her eyes going, Dad. And this is my 40th birthday at my favorite place in Mount Beauty. My friends who have this incredible resort there and they're great friends that have blessed us over the years. I was with all my favorite people there. I made it a festival of 40. I didn't have a one-night party. I had a three-day party. And people stayed over at the caravan park and we all hung out. We just had a blast and it was just the best time. I was doing all my favorite activities, went riding. We, we did all these fun things over three days and it was just the best. But underneath the surface, there's a great photo. I was broken and hurting and falling apart and I did not know why. I didn't know what was going on. Um, under the surface, there were so many things, I just didn't get what was going on. And, and really, I'm a very physically energetic person. I would also say I'm very naturally a very emotionally and relationally energetic person. But what the reality of the situation was that I had been broken by the challenges that I had to handle as a senior pastor and a lot of the blind spots in my own life and my own walk. A lot of the shortcomings in my own life and character. And so 2016, I look back to that photo as one of my favourite times with my favourite people in my favourite place, but a deep place of brokenness underneath. And it was a place where my soul wasn't well and I was the senior pastor of a great church. And you might be thinking, how can that happen? Well, pastors are just people. They're just Christians who are walking and given an assignment to walk out their life. And I had a broken heart. And... Um, what we'd had to handle as a senior pastor had impacted us so significantly that my soul and my body were very unwell, even though I had very good faith. I spent daily time with God, and I loved Jesus, and I loved his people, and I loved serving him, and I loved being a witness for him in our city, and I loved fulfilling the assignment and the calling that he gave my life. And in your life, the cause of challenge or difficulty, um, and just... Hang in there if you feel like this is a real downer of a sermon. It's going to turn around and get really good. But we're just talking about real life for a little bit. And um, that what I'm not sure what it might be in your life. It might be sickness. It might have been a broken relationship. It might have been that you lost someone close. Maybe it was a physical incident. Like in the last couple of years in our area, the bushfires that impacted the Jinjalik, Kajiwal, Koryong area were so significant. And impacted so many people in such a... They've lost their whole livelihoods. They've been so traumatic. They've get, caused people to have incredibly broken hearts. Maybe it was a vehicle accident or something. But we all have pain. And I want to encourage you today. And I want to announce God's intention over your life. And prophesy the future of your life. That God wants you to love him with all of your heart. With a whole heart. He wants to fulfill his role as the healer of the brokenhearted. And that's a journey that we can go on in a moment, and it's a journey that we go on as a lifetime. But what God has done in my life, he wants to do again and again and again in your life. Can someone say amen to that today? And I'm here to tell you that on the other side of your pain, God has greater things. 
So I've just got a few revelations that I've found in this thing. It's not the whole picture. And um, we'll just sort of try and work our way through some of them. We'll just see what happens. And then I just want to, at the end of today's message, I feel that even as God's word goes forward and we're in his presence together, he's already going to be ministering to people. And then at the end, we just want to pray for people. And I think, I think we're going to get people to pray one for another as well at the end of our service because the Holy Spirit's here to fulfill his role and his purpose, to highlight Jesus as the healer of the brokenhearted. All right, so if you're taking notes, here's my first point. You've got to understand that your spirit, soul, and body, to fulfill this in our lives. So let's break it down. We're spirit, we're soul, and we're body. We're made in the image of God. God is a tripartite being, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and we are made in his image. We've got to pay attention to how he's created us. So what is our heart? Well, it's our soul. It's the sum of our mind, will, and emotions all put together. And if we look at our society that we live in right now, the West, especially Australia, we live in, in, a, in a society where, that's very well provided for the physical needs of our life. We have, if you're an Australian or you live here, or even if you're not even a, a citizen of Australia, you still can be provided for in a way that protects and provides for all of your physical needs. It's amazing. We live in a country where if you're sick, you can go to the hospital and it doesn't cost you anything. There are countries where you'll be turned away if you don't pay up front for injury or sickness. It's incredible. We have free education in our nation. I don't feel like that all the time when I pay my kids thingo bills. But anyway, that's just parent life. And, um, but uh, the assault is on the soul or the heart of people in Australia. Western world's provided for physically. And I feel like the devil's using this area to attack, undermine, and destroy people. So the sum of our mental, our uh, will, and our emotions is what our heart is. And God's designed us to look after all of them, and he has an intention for us to do really well in those areas. So if we ignore one area, especially the tendency as Christians, I think, maybe in our era, has been to focus solely on spiritual things. We've got to pray more, do spiritual activities, go to church, do these spiritual uh, Christian things. And if we focus on that, all the other areas of our life will take care of themselves. It's not quite true. We're given responsibility for the spirit, soul, and body of our lives. We are responsible for that before God. And so um, we can't just focus on the spiritual aspect and ignore our bodies. That's the temple that God's given us to house his Holy Spirit and do the work. So we need to look after our bodies, just as God has intended for us. And we need to look after our heart, as God has intended for us, and let him do the work that we need to do so we can fulfill that. Does that make sense? I don't want to go too deep into that. So, you know, uh, the spirit is our eternal being and our identity. Our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. And our body is our physical temple, and they're all connected. We have to understand that. And um, there's, there is a... A really important understanding I had to get to, and I believe his, his children have to get to, that we can have good faith but not a well soul. If we're down mentally or emotionally, our heart's not well, broke, doesn't mean we have a faith issue, always. We might have great faith. I had great faith. I trusted God for incredible financial dramas that I had to steward and supervise, incredible legal issues and all sorts of things. My faith wasn't the problem here. It was 
I had to pay attention to how God had created me so that I could bring health and strength and healing in my mind, will and emotions that he'd given me. So you can have good faith and not a well soul. If you look at the life of Jesus, the Son of God, incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us, you'll see that he had times of great faith, but yet an unwell soul. Some of you might go, I don't believe you. Well, it's in the Bible. So he was always in right relationship with his father. His spirit was well tended, yet he had moments where his soul and body were not well. Let me show you. First one is Matthew 26. We're just going to do this quickly. And it says, Jesus declaring in prayer to his father says, My soul is over." to sing if I use this one? Okay. Yeah. Matthew 26, 38. Jesus declares, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. If Jesus can get to a place where his soul has sorrow, then it's highly likely we could too. So sometimes we think, I shouldn't be thinking like this. I shouldn't be experiencing a broken heart because I'm a Christian. And then we put ourselves in a great tension of shame because I shouldn't be like this because I'm a Christian. And Jesus is overcome. And that's correct. But you're still human. And you are still spirit, soul, and body. And we need to figure out the way to that. Not deny the reality of whatever it is that's impacted our life. We cannot do any of that. We must embrace it, walk through it to a place of healing. And if we do, we'll know him as the healer of our hearts. If we never have our hearts broken and we never heal them, we'll never know he, that he is the healer of the brokenhearted. All right. The second place we see Jesus in John 12, chapter 12, verse 27, where Jesus says, my soul is troubled. If Jesus' soul can get to a place where he is troubled, then so can you and I. Jesus had a troubled soul, so much so that when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, his body was affected by the well-being of his soul. Isn't that amazing? He was showing medical signs of extreme stress. He was sweating drops of blood. If Jesus can get to a place where his body and soul aren't well, it's highly likely you and I could get there too. But he shows us the pathway out. So we're connected spirit, soul, and body, and we, he, the Father wants us to be wholehearted. And God has designed us to live wholeheartedly. Jesus is looking for broken things to bring healing to because he is the healer of the brokenhearted. He's looking for broken relationships to bring healing to. He's looking for broken health to bring healing to. He's looking for broken trust to bring healing to. He's looking for broken dreams to bring healing to. He's looking for broken potential to bring healing to. So I want to encourage you today to look after your soul on your body so that you can fulfill what God puts in your spirit. I'm going to say that again for some people here who are just sort of zoning it. Look after your soul and your body so that you can fulfill what God puts in your spirit. Who feels like they've got something in their spirit that is not yet fulfilled? Anyone got that sort of restless feeling that like, God, there's still something in my heart that I want to see come to pass? Well, we've got to look after our soul so that what's in our spirit doesn't get sidelined. We've got to look after our bodies so we can stick around long enough I mean, I want to celebrate my 80th wedding anniversary. 
I'm serious about that. I'm going to try and get there. I'm going to come and look for the secrets to that the oil of land, you know, the oil of life. I want to get to that point. All right, so let's look briefly at the causes. I've got seven minutes and 21 seconds till I'm going to pray for you. And um, is, this, is this helping anyone this morning? Good, let's keep going. The cause of a broken heart or an unwell soul. I'll put a few things on them. On, this is just some of the things. Um, injury. You know, when, when sometimes when we get injured in life physically, it really can significantly impact us. It really can um, get to a point where, you know, especially if it's permanent or something like that, it really can affect our heart, what we thought we are going to do for the future. Uh, sin, uh, the sin of others impacting our life and our own sin significantly impacts and causes a broken heart in our life. You know, First Peter chapter 2 says, encouraging believers to abstain from sin, get this, not because it's wrong, but because it wars against your soul. The, the reason God's put these things uh, very clearly right and wrong, it's not because, just because it's right and wrong, it's because it's good for you. It's amazing how good and life-giving it is when we are obedient to the commandments that He gives us. Okay, I've got to keep going. Um, fear and anxiety uh, cause a broken heart and an unwell soul. And um, I love the prophecy that um, Paul gives to the young leader, the young, young adolescent Timothy, he says, For God has not given us a spirit of, but of love, power, and a sound mind. If there's a, if there's a, a defining scripture for this generation, I reckon that's got to be one of them right now. God's kingdom, the defining difference between people who are of his kingdom and people of this world should be that we are people of love, power, and a sound mind. That's God's plan for you. You can have, you can have none of which the world has to offer, but if you've got a sound mind and you're full of love towards people, it, you are so far ahead of what the world has to offer. Come on, someone say amen to that. Um, Fear and anxiety um, it can come through unplanned trauma, things that have happened to people like um, leading our church. I mean, just talk about your own family history and see what your family's had to deal with in the past, the generations before you. Um, my church in uh, Aubrey-Wodonga that Kirsten and I led for 10 years, 34 nationalities, the stories of people from um, our nation here in Australia and all the nations that have come to there, what they have lived through to get to this place what my parents have lived through to get to this place what my grandparents have lived through to get through this place they've lived through some significant trauma and difficulty and and it's amazing to see them living for god and walking through it another reason you can um, end up with a broken heart and unwell soul is just selfishness matthew 26 jesus talks to this and he says what does it profit a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul uh, selfishness, trying to gather everything, becomes very unhealthy for your soul. And his pattern that God has for us will bring rest for our souls. Matthew 11, verse 28. I know I'm just dumping a heap of scripture today for you, but I want you to see God's heart for you and invitation. Where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden or burdened, and I will give you, take my yoke, my way of doing things, Upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find 
for your souls. So when we take on our shoulders God's way of doing things and step into the invitation that he has for us, we will find that healing and rest for our souls. Having a broken heart from pain causes to live disabled and limited lives. Or we can recover in a way but never really live wholeheartedly. Anyone know someone that's living half-heartedly? Anyone sort of been that place where you're just sort of a bit tentative to step forward because things didn't quite go the way you wanted it to do? Well, God has some evidence that he wants you to see in your life of when you are wholehearted. Are you ready for this? This is Psalm 126. Um, there we go. It says, when the Lord, this is talking, this is David who wrote a song about post a very significant trauma where all the, his army was away, uh, the enemy attacked and took the women and children, destroyed their homes. So they were out serving God, protecting their nation, and then the enemy came while they're away doing a noble thing. They lost everything that they had. This is what he wrote. He said, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. They were restored to health, that word means. Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with songs of joy. I want you to see that that's God's prophetic picture for you in a wholehearted, healthy way of life. It doesn't mean you don't... To get to this point, you've got to go through some difficulty. Has anyone had enough difficulty? They're like, I've had enough. I've had my share. I want to live in this part of the, this part of the timeline of the story. Come on, someone say amen to that. I'm like, that's where I want to be in the storyline. I don't want to have to keep going through. But life keeps happening. Your children grow up and get older and they break your heart. And then your grandkids break your heart. I don't know what, what it is can happen in your life. But this is God's picture of his people. Zion are his people. So when the Lord restored the fortunes of his people, we were like those who were restored to health. We were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with songs of joy. Come on, someone praise God that that's his plan for you. So here's just a few things. I'm running, I'm running out of time. You have the ability to dream. You have the ability to dream. A sign of a, of a, a whole heart is you can dream. Anyone got to that point where they are just cynical and negative? Has anyone been there? You've been a Christian? You've been serving in church, been telling your kids to read the Bible, but you are cynical, jaded, negative, fear-filled, just like, that'll never happen. Yeah, Pastor, thanks for the vision for 2022, you know. I was around when we had 2020 vision, you know, and then we went into COVID. You didn't see that coming, did you, Pastor? You know, like, yeah, there's that vision. You know, like, you can end up in that place so easily, can't you? But the ability to dream is the evidence of a well soul. You can dream for the future. You have vision for your future. When the Spirit of the Lord comes and was poured out on his people, as the prophet Joel said, what did it say? Young men would see visions. Old people would dream dreams. Nothing better than an older person with a dream. Come on, someone say amen. I mean, I love that song in that, that movie Tangled. Anyone watch the Disney movie Tangled? And they end up, the characters end up at the bar with all the guys who are like the bikies. And they start singing a song, I Got a Dream, which I'm not going to sing for you, but Ryan may later. I love that song. It's like, I got a dream, you know, like, anyway. Gunter Cooks. 
You know that one? Anyway, don't. Man, if you've had kids recently, you've watched that movie probably too many times. Anyway, the ability to trust. The evidence of a well soul is that you can still trust God and trust people. Come on, somebody. That's, it, it's, it's serious. When you've had your heart broken, it's hard to trust. But the evidence of a well soul, God's intent for you is that you can trust God and people. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not just a little bit. Okay, God, that prophetic word, I'm just going to take a little step. You know, I've seen what can happen. It doesn't pan out like the way I thought it was going to. No, we've got to trust the Lord, our God, with all our heart. The sign of a healthy heart, the evidence of a well soul, is that we have that ability to trust. Here's another one. Um, This is not the whole picture. This is just some of the things that God's spoken to me about. The evidence of a well soul is the ability to step out in faith. Confidence in the future. You have a natural place of hope. And hope is a positive expectation for the future. This sets us apart so significantly from the things of this world. If you've lived through the last couple of years, you know anything we have can be taken from us. Justly or unjustly. And we thought we were a bit immune from that in the Western world, but we're not. And we have the ability, if we, our resting place is just hope, positive expectation for the future, it means that we have a well soul and a deep connection and relationship with our Heavenly Father. Here's another one. Evidence of a well soul being wholehearted is deep joy. You're glad to be with people and people are glad to be with you. The biological definition for joy in your neurology The way God's designed it and scientists are discovering it right now, the definition of joy is when your body senses that someone's glad to be with you and you're glad to be with them. If you've got deep joy in your life, you've got a well soul. But when you're trying to isolate and push back and keep and do all that sort of stuff, that's the sign of an unhealthy soul. All right, I've got to keep moving. Uh, Evidence of a well soul, you've got margin in your life. You've You've got surplus to contribute to other people's lives. You've got something extra to give. You've got a cup that's full and overflowing, and you can minister out of that. And I'm going to leave that one there. I'm going to leave that one there. Here's the fourth thing I feel like God's shown me, uh, which was probably a big highlight for me, was half-hearted is not whole-hearted. And many people learn to live with pain and they recover to a degree, but naturally protect themselves by not loving with their whole heart. And many people choose to live half-hearted because of what they've experienced. But I want to tell you today, half-hearted is not whole-hearted. Come on, someone say amen to that. Go ahead and turn to your neighbor, give him a nudge. Say, half-hearted ain't whole-hearted. Come on, come on. It's not whole-hearted. And God's got a whole-hearted life for us. We learn to function, but we keep enough distance to limit our commitment, reserve a level of protection. I'm not going to go that deep anymore. And healthy boundaries are really important in our life. We stay in relationship, but we're not going to go, we're not going to go too, we're not going to risk too much with it. And we can end up in half-hearted relationships. But I want to tell you that Jesus is not half-hearted in his love towards you. The Father dearly wants to, you to be wholehearted in your relationship with him. Jesus did not say he would only go halfway to the cross. He didn't just go to the cross die for our sins and go halfway. He went the whole way and rose again so that we can be free and live in all of the fulfillment of that. 
I don't know, you've probably experienced the, the impacts of working with a half-hearted person, business. Ever been in business partnership or workplace? You ever just been unloading a ute and the person that you're working with doing it in a half-hearted way? <laughs> and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm doing all the work here, buddy. You know, like, it's, it's just how it is. And God's not designed us to do that. Maybe one of the team could join me. Are you going to do keys or someone else want to join the keys? Oh. One of the guys can. What's your name, young man? Joshua. Nice to meet you. So you play drums and keys. Okay. Little bit of drums. That was, that was all right. I thought that was pretty. Come on, do something. These people need the presence of God. And... Um, waiting to exhale. Is anyone like, ah, oh, there it is. Presence of God. I can just feel it. Come on, Joshua. That's good. All right. When we listen to words, only the left side of our brain can interact with them. When we put music to words, our right side of our brain, which runs nearly twice as fast as our left, transports them in. And our right side of our brain, some of the things God's been teaching me over the last couple of years, embraces that knowledge and it forms the character of who we are more than our intellect can. So why, did, why is so much of the Bible worship music, Psalms, the biggest book of the Bible? Because it can transport the Word of God into our brain and structure our lives in a way that's so much greater than our intellect can. Isn't it amazing? So thank you, Joshua. We reflect our Father's nature when we can wholeheartedly love Him in His commandment to love Him with all of our heart when we can love people wholeheartedly. It, wholeheartedly loving people doesn't mean you have no boundaries and just become a doormat and you get abused by everyone. That's not, that's not what it means. It means that you have the ability to be deeply honest in your relationships with people. You can not be in relationships and be lukewarm. You can be really clear and you can be really meaningful. But it also, loving people wholeheartedly and loving God wholeheartedly protects you from being lukewarm. And the Father does not like lukewarm. He doesn't want you to go through the motions without passion. He doesn't want you to sit at His table yet resent it and not want to be there. Anyone had a guest at their table? Anyone been, had a kid at their own table who you know doesn't want to be there and doesn't want to be in a relationship with you? That's a very hard feeling in your heart. God wants us to be passionate about our relationship with Him. And every time He gives us a commandment, He gives us the ability to fulfill it. He doesn't ask us to do something that He doesn't give us the ability to do. And His power at work in our lives has the ability to heal so that we can become wholehearted. He doesn't want us to be cold-hearted, broken-hearted, half-hearted. He wants us to be wholehearted. So there's a whole process, and I'll, leave, I'll finish with this, becoming wholehearted. Each person's origin and story is a bit different what's happened in your life and the journey and the impacts on you. But the principles, I believe, of healing are the same. The first thing you've got to do is essential to being a Christian, which is repentance. Repentance thinks, often we put the wrong meaning on repentance. Repentance just means to acknowledge the reality of something that's happened 
and then go back to the top of how God, the starting place of how God wants it to be. Re means redo, and pent is the word for penthouse. It's the so go back to the top and start again. It's not a word of guilt and shame. So the first principle of the process of becoming wholehearted meets we need to just acknowledge that it's real. And that takes a lot of courage. I've got a broken heart, God. Don't want to ignore it. I can't just keep the Christian activity going and the Christian chat. It's all good. Jesus is on the throne. You're drowning and you're dying, but Jesus is still on. Yep, he is still on the throne, but he doesn't want you to live the way you're living. He wants you to stay in the hole and get further and further down where the re- exterior of your life gets further and further from the interior. God wants you to the same, very close distance between what people see on the outside to what's happening on the inside of your life. Now, the second principle in the process I see is drawing close to God. And in, he's not... He's not scared of anything that's happened or happening or going to happen in your life. He knows what to do. There is no part of your story that makes him nervous about what he should do. People may not know how to handle it, but God does. He knows exactly what to do in that. So you've got inviting him into the reality of your life, and that takes a lot of courage. Faith. Okay, God, this is where I'm at. I mean, I don't know about you. I reckon a lot of my prayer life is just me just going, God, my, I am so far from where I know you want me to be and I'm this and that and this and it's just really a big download. But if, if I just stay there and all I've done is dump my disappointments, frustration, whatever on God and walk away, it wasn't, it wasn't relational. It wasn't really prayer. It wasn't really conversation. It was just a one-way traffic. I can, I've got to invite him into that. That God, now you move, you do something in this situation, in this scenario. And the third principle that God wants to do in the process of healing is drawing close to God's people, the right people. Invite the right person in, and that takes courage. You know, Jesus has freedom and healing in him in, in relationship. That's his job. It's, he says, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. But he also has healing and freedom in his people. James 5, 6 says, Therefore, confess, confess your sins to one another, your junk, your disappointments, frustrations, and pray for one another that you may be healed. So there's healing in him and there's healing in his people. But you've got to go, to the, don't just go to everybody. Go to the right people. You've got, to, you've got to go to the right people. You know, I look back to February 2016, that photo we showed you before. And I had a broken heart. But what happened from there was a powerful journey of understanding. A bunch more pain happened. There was things that went on after that moment that were incredibly disappointing and painful. But a journey of incredible healing that God brought. I drew, I drew close to Him. I had op- many opportunities to go, God, if this is what you do when not people serve you, I don't want to be part of it. I had plenty of opportunities where I was like, God, I'm fed up with serving you and getting destroyed in the process. But there were powerful moments of prayer and prophetic words and lots and lots. I mean, there's moments where I was like, God, I don't want to speak to you, but I'm going to put worship music on and I'm going to drive until your presence changes what's happening in my life. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? It involved it involved a miracle three months in New Zealand in 2016 that was just amazing. 
God just did. Like, I mean, we lived next to, we got a house given to us in New Zealand for winter next to an ex-prime minister's holiday house. That was amazing. Leo and I caught trout by hand. We rode our bikes and God started a process of healing. It involved just amazing moments where God spoke into our lives. It started a process of years of seeing counsellors, coaches, psychologists. And I want to thank God for the trained professionals who reveal God's truth in our life. Come on, someone say amen. So I wouldn't say I'm fixed. I don't think that'll ever happen until I make it to heaven. (laughs) I'm fully transformed. But I'm healed. And if God can do it in my life, He can do it in your life. You might think, well, that's nothing to what I've experienced, Pastor Nick. You know, there's, there's, but I can tell you that He can take your pain and He can turn it into joy. He can take your pain and He can turn it into peace in your life. He can take your pain and turn it into a weapon against the enemy and what He has for people in your life. If He can heal you, He can heal others. And if He can heal you, He can heal others through you. Your testimony is going to be so significant as a weapon in the hands of God to say, He did it in my life, He can do it in yours. You know, sometimes we can see pain from visible things that happen in our life, but I've discovered that probably most pain in life is invisible. There's no scars on the outside. And I look back to that photo, if we can put that up there, and what God's done in my life is He's taken all the pain away from that moment of the past, and all I feel now is all the joy of my favorite people, my favorite place, in God's presence. He takes all of that, and He can redeem it for his work and his purpose. So Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He wants you to find healing from your journey so that you can be part of healing others. He wants you to find strength after the stress. Come on, someone say amen to that. He wants you to find power after the pain that you've been through. He wants you to see His hand has been at work in the whole step, every part of your journey. He wants you to be wholehearted. He wants you to live powerful. And He wants you to see His Spirit at work. So the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon us right now to heal the brokenhearted. So if you're able to, if you'd like to, I'd love you to stand to your feet. I just want to pray for this church. This church is just the sum of all of the people together. You can stay seated. You can lay on the ground. I don't mind what you need to do. It's fine. I'm cool. But what our society, Australia needs right now are mature, strong people. What you need to be right now is healthy and whole. It's It's too exhausting to live with a broken heart. It's exhausting. And God wants to fulfill what He's placed in your spirit. And our cities and our nations need people full of the Spirit of God and the wisdom of God who are able to possess the potential of the future because they have a whole heart and they're full of the fruit of the Spirit. So, Father, we just stand as your people today. You are the one who's traced our journey with your hand. You've never left us. You've never forsaken us. You've been with us on every step of the journey. And we thank you that you didn't leave us. You didn't turn your back on us. You walk with us in every step of the way. You know each chapter of the story. 
No one else will ever be able to know and understand what it felt like to do the journey that we have done, but you do. So we're so grateful that you never gave up on us. And today, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here to fulfill the commandment of Luke chapter 4, to heal the brokenhearted. Come on, if that's you and you're like, God, do all, continue the work in my heart. Or maybe you're here and you're hearing this for the first time. You say, God, start something. I need healing in my heart. Come on, just open your heart. Put yourself in a receptive posture to God. Holy Spirit, front to back, left to right, oldest to youngest, I just pray right now that not the words of man, but the words of the living God would bring healing. We thank you that your presence is close. You are alive and living and here and present. So minister your healing presence right now. The Holy Spirit might be even right now taking some people to moments and places and times and people where, where there's pain is. And, and don't ignore it. The longer we leave things in the dark, it stays there and you can't get healed. What we, leave, what we bring into the light can be healed. That's what his job is. He's bringing things into the light, bringing healing to it. So, Father, I just thank you that you gently guide us and lead us to a place of healing and wholeness. And I thank you that it's a moment of healing now. But it's also a journey of healing. You're going to take us and you're going to continue to do this. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, June, July, August. There's just going to be continued healing. This church, this group of people, this body of believers will be wholehearted believers. Able to fulfill the purpose and the promise that you've got because they have, have experienced healing and wholeness in you. And they're stepping out in faith. They're not going to be half-hearted when it comes to the things that you're stirring. And they're not going to be half-hearted when it comes to picking up the prophecies of the past. It's not going to be half-hearted when it comes to steps of faith that are required for the future because you are with them and you've healed them and they know you can do it and you're doing it again. But Lord, I pray also that you put healing in your people together in relationship. And I feel like what I want to encourage you to do now is a bit of a prophetic act. We want to change it now. That if you... If there's someone that you're in a relationship with next to you or you feel comfortable, put your hand on their shoulder or maybe hold hands. I don't know what you want to do. You can, blokes holding hands are always a little bit awkward, but um, maybe put your hand on their shoulder and just stand with them. God wants you to know that healing is when you bring, is, is available to us when we bring our life into the light with God's people, the right people. Not just everybody, but people you know, trust, you've got wisdom, maturity, who can guide you through the process. The prophetic act of holding hands or putting hand on the shoulder today. Father, I thank you. And I, today, I just release in the Spirit the ability for people to carefully uh, carry their brothers and sisters in Christ and urge them on to health and wholeness and healing, that they can give them wisdom and feedback. They can hear from heaven and that they can bring words of spirit and of life into their brothers and sisters' lives and they can be part of your healing process for their brothers and sisters. I thank you that this 
church is going to be a place where testimony after testimony of God's transforming life power is at work. We thank you that you use people just like us. You trust us with the power of heaven to bring healing and wholeness and transformation to people's lives. Let this church be a place of testimony and transformation. So what I'd like you to do now is I'd like you just to take a moment. I'll give you just a little bit where you can just quietly or loudly, I don't care how you pray, um, for the person on your left and on your right. Just take a moment. You know, you might have never done this before and one sentence is enough. You might say, God, bring life or heal. I don't know. Just whatever comes to your heart, just pray something good of God over that person's life. It doesn't have to be long. In fact, keep it real short. Just take a moment just to take take in turns, left and right. I know you guys can sort it out. So, Lord, I just pray your people. Come on, just pray for pray for one another just right now. That's it, Joshua. Good praying. Keep going. Jesus, we worship you. Guys, doing good. Who's finished? Who wants another person to pray for him? Great. Very good. Very good. Very good. Very good. You know, when Jesus was proving his identity to his disciples after he rose again, what did he do? He showed them his scars. He didn't show them his perfection. He showed them his healing. And I I absolutely believe that's part of our testimony of what God has. So, if I can just finish with this for you today. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor.
Father, I just thank you for the year of favor that's on this church. Thank you for the year of favor that's on each family represented here. We thank you for your word that's alive and true and it's at work in our lives. We thank you that you don't give up on us, but you fulfill everything, every word that's spoken out of your mouth, out of your word, out of your spirit, out of your people, does not return void, but it fulfills its purpose. And you have got the greatest season of effectiveness for each believer before them. This is our moment. This is our time. Father, I pray that you would raise up a people that are whole and healed and strong and capable and can show the way to others that are following. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you've done and we thank you for what's ahead. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Ryan. Wow, thank you so much, Nick. So, who was blessed by that message this morning? Yeah, why don't you keep it going? Thank you. I am personally blessed by your message, by your friendship, both of you. And, um, and I'm speaking on Michelle's behalf as well, thanks, as well. So, as a church, you know, on behalf of the church, thank you for speaking to our lives. Thank you for... Um, hearing from God and we all know how much that ties in with where we're going to and so it's, it's it was just beautiful so yeah looking forward to to journeying together yeah so did you want people to respond or we're, we're kind of you know yeah if, if I, I will say if, if there is anyone here yeah, if there's anyone here who you know, you've found yourself in church today and you, you've come here for healing. Or if you, if, you don't, if you don't know this Jesus character we've been talking about and singing about, we would love to introduce you to him. And so if, if you're here and, and that's you and you're, you're feeling your heart beating fast right now and you, you think maybe I, I need to make, you know, put Jesus number one in my life, I invite you to the front. Um, so salvation or healing. If that's you today, please come to the front and we'll love to pray for you. Other than that, I'm going to close the service and we'll have tea, coffee and cake in the foyer. So, um, yeah, have a wonderfully blessed week. Thanks so much.